Let's get ready to rumble! Okay, this is me. This is me coming back from Christmas trying to figure out what everything is. I'll tell you what, right? Let's just kick off and then we'll figure it out as we go along. Have a nice shambolic Have a nice shambolic New Year's show. <laughs> Hello and welcome Thank to you. Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that goes to the cinema every week, watches a couple of things, rates them out of five, stays at home, watches things on various streaming platforms, rates them out of five, and then asks herself, where has the money been better spent this week? My name is Tosin and I am the host and I am based in the UK, somewhere near Birmingham. Joining me as always on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolland. Hello there. And from London, our London correspondent is Holly Nesling. Hi. How are we doing? How, how well? Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you too, because this is happy our first first pod that we're recording in 2024. Even though it's not the first one we've released in 2024, because I after we re- recorded the last podcast of the year of 2023, I went off on a Christmas and forgot to take the files with me, so I could not edit the podcast <laughs> before the year was over. So, um, so yeah, that got released earlier today on the 4th of January. So enjoy that if you're listening, <laughs> if you listened. But yeah, Happy New Year to you, two of you. Thank you. All right. Do you have a good New Year with two little baby girls? Uh, yes. Yes, we did. One of, Because we drove back on New Year's Eve from, we were down in Essex with my wife's family. And we yeah. drove back um, on New Year's Eve um, to, well, to the Midlands. And... Uh, one of them, well, Kemi fell asleep. She fell asleep in the car. And this is, uh, okay, for some people would get this. Some people might not get this. But a miracle happened. We, we might keep her. She fell asleep in the car. We might take her out of the car asleep and put her down in her bed. Still asleep. <laughs> yes. And she stayed asleep till the next morning. It was amazing. So we actually got to do like, mid, like you know, the midnight, uh, see the fireworks on TV, go to bed, wake up the next day, do absolutely nothing. It was cool. How about you guys? How was your New Year's? I was asleep at half past nine and it was amazing. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, I must. I went to bed early to read. I got, I got up at midnight to say Happy New Year to the various occupants of our house, but we're all in bed. So it was a bit of a Walton's Happy New Year where we all... <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year, John boy! <laughs> Happy New Year, Grandma! It was a bit like that, sort of like different voices. Happy New Year, and that was it. And we went back to sleep. <laughs> oh, wow. Glamour and excitement of our lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no, no, this is the thing. This is the thing. Okay, so Holly and I first met in university, so we are roughly the same age. And I think it, we've got to that stage where, you know what, a new, well, there's no need to front about it. There's no need to try and tell yourself that, oh, no, but we need to go down to the center of London and see the fireworks. If not, it's not special. Bed by 9.30, that is a perfectly, not even acceptable, that is a brilliant New Year's Eve. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I was asleep at just after 10 last night as well. And it's so good. I remember the last time I was in London for like the fireworks and I was just kind of like, and I, I remember very, very clearly thinking like going down to the embankment, trying to see the fireworks off like, you know, it was outside in that Westminster area, seeing the fireworks off the of the London Eye. And I remember very clearly thinking at that time, never again. <laughs> I've never done it. No desire to do it. I am. If I'm going to watch them, I will watch them on TV in the comfort of a sofa. Yeah, that, that 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 time it was only because I had a friend who had who had never done it before. But like ever since he came over from Nigeria, he'd never done it, and so he went he went along. And judging by the way he was grabbing a hold of me as we were trying to get through crowds and the panic look on his face of of us getting separated, I don't think he's ever doing that again. Wise <laughs> man, wise man. All right, cool. So okay, let's talk. Let's talk about films. We're supposed to be talking about films that we've seen. What were your viewing habits like over the Christmas period? What happened? I didn't watch much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, either on TV or on either on TV or uh, or in cinema. I didn't watch anything anywhere. Oh wow! Um, it was a bit. I had a bit of a thing. We had a bit of a weird Christmas when my mum's best friends had a heart attack just before. Oh good lord! She's okay. She's okay. She's home now, and she's all sort of getting back on her feet again. But it meant it was like just a few days before Christmas, so we were in and out of the hospital visiting her all over Christmas. And it was a bit strange. And I ended up having a migraine. So I had a four-day migraine. So I actually didn't watch anything anywhere for those four days. I literally just couldn't. So, um, yeah, so I haven't really watched much of anything. 
Okay, all right. But but you did manage to catch up with Wonka. I watched Wonka before Christmas, yes. Okay. And I did catch up. I watched the Mayfair Witches on iPlayer in like the week after my migraine sort of disappeared. All right. Okay. All right. Cool. And uh, well, well, glad glad that you're glad that the migraine's gone. Glad that the migraine's gone. And um, Holly, what about you? Uh, no cinema uh, because Steph has been away. Cinema buddy. <laughs> Um, so oh. a moderate amount of TV viewing. I have done some. Oh re- no, no! First of all, first of all, now we need to have a word with Steph. We need. To- That's all right. <laughs> we're doing. We're back on this year. We're we're back to our goal of fifty-two films in fifty-two weeks. Okay. So okay. Good. This but- is the target. Uh, we're not going to manage this weekend because she's on nights. But next weekend, we are hoping to do two or three films next a week Saturday. We need to have a word with Steph and the NHS. Okay, right now. Beforehand, before you started doing this podcast, Holly, all Steph had to worry about was keeping her, or like you know, making sure that her buddy went to go see a film. But now she had, we have, we have an audience. We have an audience to serve. <laughs> we do, we do. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Let Steph know. Let Steph know that if she ever goes off on a holiday and leaves you on your own, she is not just letting herself down. She's letting the side down. I will. I okay. will pass this on. Yes, please, please do tell Steph she that. Will. Uh, so there has been some TV viewing. So having watched um, the Mayfair Witches, I refreshed on some of it as well, so that I could talk anew about it with Sharon. Yeah. Uh, I have nearly finished. I've got an, an episode and a third to go of Fool Me Once on um, Netflix. Oh yeah, that's a Harlan Coben thing, isn't it? It is. Yep. And I am also two-thirds of the way through The Winter King on ITVX. Ooh. All things I want, I'm planning on catching at some point. Oh, well, let me know when you have done and we shall discuss. Okay. All yes. right. Cool. All right. And I... I, I will do better. I will do better. Yeah. Uh, and talking about the stage of life that you're at and everything like that, I remember when Christmas used to be the time when you'd be like, right, time to catch up on everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I made it to the cinema once in, <laughs> since the last time we recorded in probably about three weeks I made it to the cinema once however I have to give a massive massive shout out to Premier Cinemas in Romford Essex because they seem to single handedly be trying to get people to get back in the cinema again because I went to see, okay let me put it this way right so Sharon you know you've got the Cineworld Unlimited card yes and you do that because you think if you're going to have a Cinema Unlimited card and you're going to see at least a film a week, you're going to end up ahead if you get yeah. a Cineworld Unlimited card. And I don't have a Cineworld on Odeon close to me, so I don't have any one of those cards, so I have to pay the cinema every week. This cinema, if I went to the cinema, the Premier Cinema in Romford every single week and paid out of my own pockets to watch one film a week, it would be cheaper than an Unlimited card. Wow, that is a good deal. You'd go to that cinema. Yes, and so this is the Premier Cinemas of Rubford. It's in the Mercury Centre, and it costs costs £3.50 for any film, any time of day. What the heck? I know, I know. I got back home, and like, even though it cost only £5.99, I was like, oh, well, boy, it's not £3.50. I feel like I'm being ripped off. So the Premier <laughs> Cinemas in Romford, I do not know how they're staying in business, but long may they stay in business, long may continue. Yeah. I, I was actually theorizing that maybe it was just a drug front, and, <laughs> and like they're laundering money through the back, but I don't, I, I kind of don't charge care. charge you £9 for an ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the thing. You can go there with a family or four. They actually have a deal for the, and they haven't paid me or anything like that. This is out of my amazement of what they're actually doing. So, like, it's you can go there with a family of four, two adults, two kids for twelve pounds. That's more than one adult ticket at a weekend, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I know. It, it's 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 crazy. It's great. I just I actually have a friend who is seeing Priscilla in London this evening. She went to see it at the Odeon Lock. Lux, I think somewhere near Leicester Square. She played twelve pound fifty for her tickets. In the premier cinemas in Romford, you could see a family of four could see that film for what she paid for one ticket. Yes, I'm impressed that she managed twelve fifty in the Odeon Lux. I know the one is in Haymarket. Yeah, that, that is extraordinarily cheap. The I thought it was usually like twenty quid. Yeah, I thought it was cheap myself as well. But I have questions. I have questions to ask of Cindy. 
I have questions I've asked to ask of Cindy, especially because she has to give me some feedback on Priscilla that I was going to give on the show, which she hasn't done yet. But anyway, <laughs> so... I really want to see it. And I just need to ask Sharon quickly, because I'm not sure if it's just... I think it's just been added onto Netflix. Boudicca. Well, is that is that the Olga Kurilanko one? It is. Yeah. Because I'd be interested to see how they do it. Okay, well it is on there as of today. It's on so... Netflix. Oh, I'll have to check that out then. Yeah. So I thought as I will now check it out, I thought I should let you know as well. Oh so... yes, and we can sync so... our reviews for next exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I do I do like I do like it when this happens. I do like it when you guys become like, you know, watching buddies. Uh um, because well, first of all, when Holly joined us on the podcast and we we realized that she and Sharon have a certain predilection for the Sharknado movies and bad yeah. shark movies. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't, quite frankly? Well, exactly. It's only weird people. <laughs> only weird people. Uh, oh, oh, good Lord. I Missing saw... Out. Okay, talk, talking out. about terrible films. Talking about terrible films. I actually saw a poster for a film that I'm pretty sure is going to be terrible. It's called Monsternado. That oh. sounds frightful. <laughs> I know. I want to watch it. I have to go and see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think you'll have to go anywhere, Sharon. I think, I think it's going to come to me. I think I think Amazon Prime or, or Freevee is going to be chucking this in your face, going, "Watch this!" But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I just saw I saw the thumbnail that said Monsternado, and I went, "Oh heck no!" <laughs> but I thought I'll let you guys know. I, 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 I thought I'd let you guys know. Okay, cool. Just go a feedback from from Cindy about Priscilla, and she says she loved it. She said she loved it. But I've heard I've heard good things about Priscilla, which I really want to do a double bill on watch Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. We and did then immediately Baz Luhrmann's for- Elvis, didn't we? And we yeah. sort of made a, and she was almost like a thumbnail in that, wasn't she, Priscilla? She was like a oh I, oh yeah. And by the way, there was this person called Priscilla on the edges of her, his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was the... interesting to sort of turn that around. Well, it was always going to be the case with. Actually, anyway, we're not talking about. Let's talk about films we've actually watched. <laughs> okay, yeah. so in cinema, in cinema, I went to see Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom um, because it was pretty much the only thing I wanted. To, well, that was even close to me wanting to watch it. I was trying to get to see Godzilla minus one because Sean gave it a rave review, and everybody I know has been raving about Godzilla minus one, and I've been trying to go see it, but the times don't watch, and it might be one of those that I just miss in the cinema. But okay, so it's sort of disappearing from the cinema here, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it will do pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. All right, cool. So we have Mayfair, which is at home. That was the that's that both of you have seen. And, I've seen that. Yeah, and I did say I was going to talk about something, but uh, I thought, uh, seeing as this is like, you know, a post-Christmas thing, there needs to be at least one Christmas thing on it. So I thought I'll talk about Merry Little Batman, which which is it's one of those things that just showed up, which is, sorry, Sharon, it's animated, but it's it's essentially a Batman Christmas story on Prime Video uh, on there. Oh, and also, oh, it, it's, uh, okay, this might totally derail us, right, but... And I know nobody has mentioned it, but I'm sure you must have watched the Ghost Christmas special. Yes, I haven't because yep. I still have more because I haven't finished all of Ghosts yet. Oh, but okay. I got for Christmas the Ghosts um, beautiful companion book. book. Yes, yes. There's a hardback. Okay, okay, good. Didn't know about that. But anyway, yeah, Ghosts, Ghosts, the UK <laughs> original Ghosts. I've been watching some of the U- US Ghosts and. Uh, Going back to the UK originally, you're like, oh my god, it's just, it's just, okay, they're different, they're different, and comparisons, I, I feel different. like comparisons are a bit yeah. mean, it, we, we, we're like trying to compare the UK ghost to the US ghost, but the UK one is just so much more of a treasure, I think, anyway, uh, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's much more of a treasure than it is, okay, but anyway, let's start off with cinema as is I want, as we ramble and go through this and try to talk about things we've actually watched, and I want to talk about Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom to begin with. So, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, as the title might, uh, might clue you in, it is a sequel to Aquaman. Aquaman, which is, and I know apparently there's a lot of people who don't know the difference between all the different superhero universes. They don't know the difference between your Marvel and your DC. So this is DC, and this is where you have your Superman, and you have your Batman, and you have your Wonder Woman. And Aquaman was actually the most successful film within that. It was the one that went over a billion, because the first Aquaman movie was released, and it was crazy, and it was mad, and it was big, and it did not take anything seriously, and it was like five movies in one, and there was bits where it just seemed to borrow from a whole bunch of different films, 
there was a bit at the end which I am totally, totally convinced that they were homaging the song Shiny in Moana. There was, there's, there's a bit in the middle that looks like Mamma Mia. There's a, it's like, essentially, the first Aquaman movie was crazy, and this is like a sequel to it. In the meantime, DC have had problems because they, they, essentially, they've rebooted the whole thing. So they've, they've, um, they fired Henry Cavill, then they rehired him, and then they fired him, and then they hired James Gunn. So behind the scenes, there's all this mess that's going on, and it has been revealed. It has played itself out in a lot of the DC movies that have been released since. So Blue Beetle got was was an unfortunate victim, I think. The Flash was a mess. <laughs> I mean, because the, the Flash was a mess because God knows what was going on in there. And now you have this film where, if you if you care about plotting these sort of things, you now have um, Aquaman plays by Jason Momoa, otherwise known as Arthur Curry, who is now the king of Atlantis. And the king of Atlantis, he is now getting to this point where he's thinking, you know what, I just wanted to go around and have adventures, but now I have to sit down and I have to sit in boring meetings and I have to do all these different things. And the only reason I actually wanted to be king anyway is I just I just became king so that Atlantis wouldn't invade the surface world. So Atlant so that he, the Atlant- Atlantis wouldn't invade the human world. Which I think is an interesting idea. And it's a key it's a recurring theme in this film that you have where they are interesting ideas that keep getting chucked. They're interesting ideas that, you know, that they just don't deal into. And they, they, and they throw them away to come up with something that is just kind of like standard comic book movie. And I feel like, I feel like with everything that has gone over the last 10 years or so, mostly through Marvel, the standard comic book movie doesn't really cut it anymore. It's kind of like, if you're just going to give you the stuff where, oh, yeah, now, ooh, now, uh, CG fights, and, ooh, oh, set piece where blah, blah, blah happens. There needs to be something more to it. And I think that this just ends up being then down the middle, by the numbers, stuff that happens. They they go, okay, cool, we have this character from the first film, and we lock them up in jail. Oh, but we want to do something with them. We will get them out of jail. And, and it's like, and you're like, and they... Be, um, and they keep doing this thing where, you know, it is how it is when you're watching a film and they have a, they set up certain rules and everything like that. And they set up, oh, but if you do that, there will be repercussions. And then they go do the thing and then absolutely no repercussions whatsoever happen. That keeps happening in this film. They're like, oh, you can't go do that because that would be a political thing with the fisherman kingdom. All right, cool, let's go do that. It's like you can't show your face when you're, when you're rescuing him. Why? Because it's the fisherman kingdom. It will become like a political thing and everything like that. He goes in there. They obviously see his face. The people, aren't, the people who see his face aren't killed. And nothing, nothing happens. And... and and I know people might say, want to talk about political intrigue in a superhero movie, what the heck are you thinking about? It's a comic book film and all that. But I still maintain to anybody who says anything like that, that if your world sets up some rules, you should live by those rules. You should follow through with those rules. And if you don't follow through with those rules, I don't care how simple the story you're telling is, your story falls apart. And I feel like that happens too often in this film. And there's there's bits where Jason Momoa, and I don't think it's his fault, I think it's because of everything that was going on in the background, there were apparently reshoots on this, where they tried to rejig the story and all that. There's bits where his performance from scene to scene vary wildly. <laughs> they, 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 vary, they vary wildly. And you're like, um, what did, 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 what, what just happened? It's like, you were just all broy there, now you're this, and now you're... And you just you can just feel like it was a it was like they were trying a whole bunch of different things and then they cut something together. I don't think that the the director of the film is not really doing interviews about the film or say which makes me think that the studio got involved and took things out of his hands a little bit and I don't think he's quite happy with it. Which is a bit because it's James Wan and James Wan when you let him do his stuff he comes up with some crazy stuff like like uh, what's the name of that film like Megan. Megan, the the sort of killer doll movie that he did. So yeah, it's yeah. Um, all in all, I think I'll give it a three out of five because uh, it's competent. It's but it's it's nothing that you haven't really seen before. There's attempts at humor that I really don't I really don't think work. There's uh, there's characters from the first film that just get absolutely chucked off a cliff, <laughs> almost like um like Amber Heard. I, I was going to ask because there were sort of 
varying suggestions, but off the back of the um, oh, on the back of the Johnny Depp or the Johnny yes. Depp trial and all that and things that she said. I don't think they ever meant to use her character in this film because the first film was almost kind of like you know like a like a romance, romancing the stone kind of thing. That's just why it turns to my mama mia halfway through. This film, they've they've made no bones about the fact that it's a buddy com- comedy, and it's about um, it's about uh, Aquaman and his brother going off on a quest. The and pretty much nobody else gets a look in, but it is kind of it it, it is a little bit conspicuous that when mm-hmm. Amber Heard shows up, Amber Heard is mostly silent. <laughs> but I but I also yeah, yeah she's she's like she shows up and she's there and everything like that and. She kind of gets relegated because, oh yeah, just in case I haven't said, oh, I don't think I've said that at the beginning of this film, Aquaman and Mira have a, they have a daughter, they have a son rather. So he's now, he's now a dad and everything. And she kind of gets relegated to a role of mother who looks after the kid at home when, I mean, saying that, I don't even think the role amounts to mother who lives, <laughs> she, she's in the film, she shows up a couple of times, but there, there might have been more on the cutting room floor, but the, so I, I don't think it was like a, I personally don't think it was um, a definite, ooh, we don't like Amber Heard, we're going to cut out of this film. But with everything else that has gone on in the background and everything that's gone on in the real world, it's hard not for it not to uh, not to appear like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, three out of five, Dolph, oh, and Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren's in this film, and I don't know what has happened, but... Look, I remember Dolph Lundgren. Does he not look like himself anymore? No, no, he still looks like Dolph Lundgren, only with like a he massive, like a massive Lord of the Rings beard on and everything like that now. But it's it, it's the it's I it was very hard to understand every single word he said in the film, mm-hmm. and I don't know I don't know because I, I want to think about Dolph Lundgren. I think about him in films like um, Dark Angel. I feel like in Rocky Four and uh, Showdown and Little Tokyo that I loved in the nineties and Scorpion, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. And I was thinking, I never. Remember, I never remember thinking that Dolph Grongan had diction issues or anything like that. But either it was in the mix or something like this, or maybe, I don't know, as he's growing older or something like it was really hard to hear anything he said. It was really, really hard to hear. Especially because, and they give him a whole bunch of lines, and they try and give him a subplot, which I think would have been better spent on Nicole Kidman's character, or maybe on Amber Heard's character, but it just didn't really go anywhere. And it's a three out of five, and we shall move on, because I think I've already given this film way too much time than it deserves. So three stars for Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom. And oh, oh and even The Lost Kingdom of the title, it's so convoluted how they try and bring that in. But never mind. They, oh, oh my God, I just remember Pilu Asbeck. Who I'm not sure that I'm saying that right because he has like a a funky, well I'm not sure what country I know he's from one of the sort of Scandinavian countries and they have this letter in the middle of his name that looks like an yeah. N and E combined and I don't know how you pronounce it, but this guy is a well known character. He was in Game of Thrones. He you see his face in one scene, one scene <laughs> and it's <laughs> gone. And I'm thinking. How much did you pay for that one scene? It doesn't. It doesn't even have any lines. It's just so stupid. It's yeah. It, it reeks of something else going on. And this is a film that you can't talk about without talking about what was happening behind the scenes because what, whatever happened behind the scenes messed it up, in my opinion. So yeah, three stars for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And now we go over to Netflix and friends, and we are going to talk about Mayfair Witches, which uh okay, which uh well I know this We've is based both on seen both seen yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, both of you have seen it. I haven't seen it. I'm probably not going to watch it. It's um, I know it's based on Anne Rice's book. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the lives of the Mayfair witches and first, that... the first of the books. The first one is called the Mayfair Witches, but it's a series of three that interconnects with her um her vampire movie, her vampires books, of which there are millions. Yeah, of course, we're starting with yeah the interview with the vampire and going on. Yeah, there's loads of them. Oh, all right, and cool. More. Um, so, so I know that yeah. the, I know this is on the BBC, right. and there's also an adaptation of Interview with the Vampire that's on the BBC. Did you guys bother watching that, or did you just skip that and come straight to Mayfair Witches? I, I watched I've the seen... first episode, and I was just like, "This is too far away from the books and the characters that I recognise." So I gave up on it. Okay. I've read. I have watched probably half of it, and I watched it a little while ago um, on Amazon. And have found some of it frustrating in the way it's deviated from the book. 
Okay. But I found it interesting. When I that was when I first watched the interview with the vampire. I bought myself before Christmas a DVD player for about twenty quid from Amazon because I had wanted to watch Mayfair Witches for so long and I'd ordered the DVD from the US. Oh wow. So I'd seen it before it was on BBC. So I have the DVDs and a very, very bad DVD player as well now. <laughs> Well, well, the thing is that there is a growing, there is a growing movement to try and get as much your hand on as much physical media as you can, because people like Disney Plus and Warner Brothers keep deleting stuff from the streaming services, and that that and saying that's it, you can't see it anymore. Which they which they kind of said that streaming would be the end of that, but streaming has actually made them more powerful to do that. So so keep that bust ass DVD player because it might yeah. become the savior of all. Or, or, <laughs> they might be the only way you get to watch Mayfair Witches in the in the future. Yes. But anyway, Mayfair Witches, shall we kick off? Sharon, shall you tell us what it's about, and then Holly, you can chime in. Perfect. Yeah, it's about a young woman who is a doctor, a neurosurgeon in San Francisco, and there is. She is like an instinctive doctor. She's obviously trained. She's gone through the university. She's experienced in her surgeon. But she has, is instinctive. She can look at a patient and she can have a feel for what's wrong with them. And she has an incident with one of her senior colleagues where um, she basically visualizes his brain and he has like a brain aneurysm. And she is worried that she caused this thing. And she goes to her mum, who is her adopted mum, to say, that, is there anything about me? That, you know, that in my childhood, anything else has happened because I feel like I caused this. And then another incident happens where, again, she feels like she caused a sort of medical episode by the power of her mind. And then she ex- wants to explore her, her birth family. And her mum says, well, yours, it's a closed adoption, so I don't know anything about your, your birth family. And then after her mother dies of cancer, she then um, finds out that she is from a family of the Mayfair family, originally from New Orleans. <laughs> And that as a female child of the line of the this sort of Mayfair family, she is connected to this sort of matrilineal um, legacy of basically of witchcraft through these. And it manifests in each generation slightly differently. They have different gifts. And as she goes to New Orleans to find out about her birth mother and about her family, she starts to find out about the history of, of the Mayfair witches and that they have this presence, uh, a, a, an entity called Lasher, who is sort of is personified in the figure of this man who has basically a relationship with each one of these Mayfair witches. And there is a goal in mind that the 13th Mayfair witch um, is, is going to fulfill a prophecy. And she doesn't realise um, what that prophecy is. And we as a viewer don't really understand what her, her purpose is as she's sort of drawn more and more into the world of this Mayfair witches and she discovers the legacy of her of the Mayfair matrilineal line and meanwhile she meets another man who has sort of um has sort of taken an interest in her and he is part of like this secret society of the observers they're almost like in Buffy they're um the watchers but yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. sort yep. of thing they're like watchers who over who um either try to protect them or they just try to keep an eye on what's going on in the world of the supernatural yeah and so um, this guy again is involved in this uh, this legacy and this prophecy, and in ways that we only find out as the story unfolds. Right, cool. So so far, this is kind of what I expected. I expected it was going to be some dense f- mythology that 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 you you were going to have to dive into and like really sort of like give yourself wholehearted to, to actually go go on with. But so so Holly, what did you think? Well, it's actually very simplified. <laughs> <laughs> in as, comparison to the books as i would imagine it would Greg have to be books. i've seen Massive i've seen some of Anne rice's books they are big this <laughs> is it's a doorstop which you also can't still get on kindle i believe slightly yeah, bizarre. things come and go off of kindle hmm. and it's not it's not there and it's not on yeah because of uh, Anne rice's on. long publicized beef with jeff bezos yes obviously because it's 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 all quite mystifying. So the series, uh, the specific Mayfair Witcher series, is three books, and it the way they have handled the the TV series, they are certainly have the capacity to make the next book, and I think that is the intention. Yeah, uh, it's certainly I... set up for 
carrying on, isn't it? At the yeah. End. Um, it's it's a, an odd one to watch when you've read the books because whilst it keeps true to much of the spirit of the books, it actually it deviates quite a lot in some ways that for me are quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, so you lose some of the layers. It also feels... It's also a bit less unhinged than the books, arguably, <laughs> um, by simplifying it. Some of it, some of the books are just so complicated. You never want to try to work out their family tree. Basically, impossible to do it. There are layers upon layers of generational incest, completely untrackable. People try to do it online, and you look at these things, and you're like, I genuinely can't follow these lines. There's no way that that is. That should be very, very, very illegal. So you don't you don't find yourself sitting at the screen pouring at it in quite the same way that you do with the books, where you're going, I don't, I need to know what. Yeah, who are you, you again? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But I guess I guess I guess that's the problem. It's like when you're trying to do something like this, you you're trying to make something that has a bit of a wider appeal. That means that we're going to see. That means that that gives the show a chance of actually surviving if more people watch it, because uh, as opposed to making something that's just for the people who have already read the book. Yeah. And you would have to have it would in order to do that, it would have to be much longer and everybody would have to be really, really glued to their seats for a very, very long time and quite mystified. I don't think it would. I don't think it would be possible to. Yes, make or you're, you're saying you, you would have to have a literal captive audience. To yes, <laughs> yes yeah. you would. You would have to. They would have to be tied down to chairs to sit through all of it. Yeah, I thought it was very well done. I was unsure about some of the casting choices, and um, at least in part because. So there are some details that are very based up in the books where people's physical appearance is very important. Well, yes. Yeah, sometimes it's quite specific about the blue eyes. They've all seen yes. very blue, sort of hypnotically blue eyes. Yeah, well, and there's in, like in that... three different shades of blue eyes as well. And well, who I was just going to say, in that, in that case, they've done well in casting Alexandra Daddario. <laughs> Uh, they have for the eyes, but her eyes are meant to be grey and her hair is meant to be dark blonde, not black. <laughs> so, And those are quite key features that are described repeatedly from page one. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I, am, so I, I, I am getting that it, that you guys are finding it impossible to divorce your love of the book from your enjoyment of the TV show. Oh, yeah, I haven't you... actually read the book. I haven't okay. actually read the book. I used to read and write quite widely. Um at the time of, it was post In Through the Vampire, read post In Through the Vampire, and then I read the next sort of three or four books of hers. Like there was a mummy one, there was like Queen of the Damned, yeah, and then yeah. Body Thief. Um, Body Thief. And I then I started to lose her. She started to get a little bit, uh, she just lost me anyway at yeah. that time. So, yeah. And then I know there's a number of numerous other sort of vampire, of the vampire sort of mm-hmm. universe that I just I, basically gave up on they pick up again later because i did the same and i dropped yeah because i but i read the mayfair witches and then the there's an intersection at, after the mayfair witches books where they join in with the vampire chronicles yeah. and those That's ones good. are good yes that works quite well i mean i i I have the books, so I'm more than happy to stick them in the post to you. <laughs> Good read, but as I say, it's it's heavy and it's complicated and is the world's yeah. most bizarre family tree and yeah, and a very, very, very illegal one. So that might be why I had some more of a, I probably had more issues with the series because I was I I, I didn't struggle with it. I just found some of the characters and some of the choices they made are just inexplicable to me. And I suppose because in the because in a book, obviously, you can see their thoughts. Yes. And she just seemed to to me, she was a bit of like a weather vane. She'd be like saying, "No, no, no, I don't want to do that." And then she'd actually just do that very thing that she said, "I don't want to do." <laughs> and then further on, would be like, "I definitely want to sort of get away from this whole thing, and I'm going to do this." And so, and then she goes back and she does. Like, you just she seemed to be like influenced by. I thought, as a, if she's supposed to be like this strong character, to me, she is just like being directed she is not doesn't have any of agency of her own she seems to be any breath of wind seems to change her direction and i found that frustrating and by the end of the, the series i was getting a bit like 
what 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 is it you actually want <laughs> because I don't get it <laughs> and so I find it a bit frustrating to watch and I just found the whole character of Lasher I must admit I was a bit I was thinking well I can't to me I did not see that sort of charisma that charm that hypnotism but they all seem to be drawn to this one chap and I, yeah. I didn't see that and I thought I know in the book it's probably written in a quite a different way and so I think he becomes like all things to um, you're muted sorry, Holly. yeah Holly you're um, muted yeah I think he beca- he must be like all things to all men so like to each woman he personifies their ideal but to me where well, it was the same act obviously played him throughout the ages I was thinking I don't get it this one male archetype would not appeal to every single generation of these women In the, and I didn't see it the book the way it's done is he has a sort of preferred appearance but will adapt himself to his witch yes. and to the times that they're living in so he would appear in appropriate clothing and and yeah I didn't like the casting he didn't feel right can't tell yeah, you I just why. did not see that I didn't see that irresistible nature because yeah. you think if every woman in the generation like 15 or 13 generations are all they, they, they become utterly devoted to him I would I just didn't see it I thought well, he just smirks at them and he's there suddenly like oh you know I'm yours. It's like, no, get off. Played by Jack Houston. Normally he's very good. He can play a really charismatic character. But in this, I thought, you do not. um, What I was thinking of, you know, I saw years and years ago a program called Hex where a young Michael Fassbender played um, a demon. And he was so charismatic that you could understand it, even though they recognised the fact that he was probably a demon. Michael Fassbender was in Hex. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I have seen the right one. It's with yeah, it's a, a early. I think it's early one of his early appearances, and you're going yes, but I did not see that in that Houston's character somehow. It just didn't work for me, and so I, I probably by the end of this, this the eight episodes, I was getting a bit like, you know what, I'm, I'm not really into this. <laughs> I want, I, I want to persevere with it, but I didn't. It didn't make me think. Yes, I'm going to have to go and read these books. Uh, so for me, it left me a little bit flat. Yeah, oh, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, but you just blow my mind. I've just, I've just googled Michael Fassbender Hex, and you're right, he, he was in Hex. I'm looking at pictures of him now, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Did not he was realize. so charismatic in it. He was, he was just absolutely perfect in that role because you could see how he would just like become. It was, it was him. People. You're right. I mean, I question you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, sorry, no, sorry. Okay, he's so good in it. I, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, but uh, I know that now this is this is going from Mayfair Witches to like you know uh, a retrospective on Hex because that that always I never watched Hex. I always thought of that as that was one of those Sky One TV shows that was just trying to oh look how cool we are, but we don't really have the budget. <laughs> and and oh my god, that's blown my mind that Michael Fassbender was in Hex. Oh, anyway, okay, let's go to Hex is good. <laughs> let, let's go to let's go to star ratings. How many stars would you give it, Sharon? I would only give it a two because okay. I got a little bit fed up by the end. I think they had some good things about it, but by the end, and when there's, there's a bit where it's in like 17th century Scotland, I didn't believe any of the accents. <laughs> I didn't believe it was 17th century Scotland. The way they were dressed, I was, I was, they were dressed like you expect, you know, sort of like medieval peasants to dress. So I'm thinking, this is not that long ago. <laughs> I can walk down the road and I can see buildings that would have existed in 1670s and the 1650s. It's not that long ago. One of my friends lived in a house that was built in about the 16 whatever. And it's like, it's not, and they weren't living they'd like in mud huts and, you know, grubbing around in yeah, homespun yeah. clothes. So that made it look like it was so primitive. I was thinking, even the Scottish were not grubbing around in sort of this primitive. Like, I didn't get. I didn't, didn't have like that in the book either. That doesn't. Yeah, oh, right. yeah, but uh, but but America. They have like this Hollywood idea or this whatever. It's like this is what this is what seventeenth century Scotland was like. It's like you've obviously not seen a seventeenth century village. They weren't, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, is, but then, uh, then again, I think when, whenever, whenever you have a Hollywood, a Hollywood idea of a historical thing of a place that isn't America, I 
get really worried because they are not known for uh, they are not known for trying for doing any research or whatever they're like yeah whatever yeah it was olden times whatever okay cool so two stars two stars from sharon and holly two for me but i'd be interested to see what you thought of it holly some of the books going to give it a grudging three because i love the book so much but i'm much closer to the it's at the bottom end of the three and i'm <laughs> wincing as i do it i was disappointed by it cool okay. so uh thank you it's for... hard though when you if you love the book it's even worse it's even worse i came at it cold so um yeah. I do read the books and i think you'll like the books our library is quite good for that sort of thing, so I'll have to look down our local library. Yes, give it a go. All right, cool. So, and notes on the books. Uh, all right, and um, yeah, thank you for confirming that I'm okay to not watch that. Uh, <laughs> so, let yeah, us... don't watch it. Now we're gonna go on to what we do every now and then when we have uh, we 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 do have like uh, one person watches a film in the cinema, somebody else goes to watch it, and we have like a sort of like report back. And so I was gonna ask Sharon Wonka, what did you think? I was really pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. because I went to see it having seen the Johnny Depp version, having seen the Tim Burton um, sort of grotesque uh, mm-hmm. that sort of came out a few years ago on the hot on the heels of like Alice in Wonderland type thing. Yes. And so I I was in my head, I was expecting that sort of grotesquery. And so when I watched it and it was just like, actually, this has got that open hearted warmth that you re- associate with. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, this sort of the Gene Hackman film. And I feel when the use of the refrain, the Gene Wilder one, sorry, Gene Wilder, and the use of the same refrain, you know, come with me, and and you can hear that refrain in the music. It just felt like it was the same universe as that film. And the sort of humour in it wasn't cruel, even though um, he doesn't have an eye, doesn't he, old Roald Dahl? And obviously this is inspired by... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he has an eye for sort of the grotesque and for the cruel, but I think the fact that it was, yeah, it was more joyous than I was expecting it to be. And so we went along, and I went along with a couple of friends, and yeah, we all actually really liked it. We thought it was just, it was funny. It was um, the grotesque characters were like Olivia Coleman's and the henchmen. <laughs> yeah, Tom Davis. They were sort of like, yeah, they were. Grotesque, but not in a icky sort of way. Well, <laughs> it's sense. one of those things that, like, when when Olivia Coleman and Tom Davis show up, that could essentially that could go down a very Oliver Twist route when they show yeah. up, and and it's it kind of like gives that hint of menace and that hint of darkness, but then it, it, yeah. it but then it sort of like finds a way out of it, so to say. Yes, yeah, yeah, and so and then like the, the the cast of characters you meet who are in the sort of the laundry and their sort of crazy escapades. I thought they had a warmth to it that I, I actually really liked. Yeah. And um and the craziness, you do you think well this is the world of Willy Wonka, so he could have a travelling sort of sweet shop in his suitcase that opens out like Mary Poppins' handbag. So I, I yeah, I just I like I thought it was just it was fun, it was funny, it had a warmth about it that I wasn't expecting. And yeah, I just thought it we all enjoyed it and we all thought it was like a really nice nice film to watch before Christmas that we all yeah, we just came away thinking um feeling that the music was even though i'm not very good at remembering having listened to stuff once i'm not yeah. very good at remembering the tunes but we just thought it the music was nice they all sang well um yeah we, we just really enjoyed it yeah yep yeah, cool yeah pretty much what i said <laughs> it's uh, i just i, I just can remember coming out of the film thinking this is so much better more so much more heartwarming so much more life-affirming than it has any rights to be yeah. because when they say you're making a, we're going to make a prequel about the young life of Willy Wonka it just sounds like a cash grab and the fact that they actually took the time to make a good film is kind of mind blowing yeah and I like the fact obviously there's there's the odd cameo in there that you go oh it's so and so and obviously there's the ghost connection and the horrible histories connection with yes. Simon Farnaby and Matthew Bainton yeah. and there's a couple of the other um, horrible histories you sort of see pop up every now and then you go oh are you a horrible history person <laughs> in the background? And yeah, no, and some of the sweeties reminded you a little bit of the sort of the later Wonka sort of stuff. Yeah. No, I thought, yeah, I, we, we were just really charmed by it. And yeah, and there's some of the silliness, like, you know, um, 
in the, the cathedral, there's a telephone in the pulpit and <laughs> things like that. Hello, pulpit. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's funny, isn't it? And I'm, you know, I'm... when he has that has that sweeter that makes him funny and he says I'm going to call the one that got away what could possibly get <laughs> that sort of humour it just appeals doesn't it I <laughs> and I just yeah I like Simon Farnaby it's like in Paddington he has like the best cameos doesn't he oh yeah. well yeah because and because so... this is directed by the same guy who directed the, the Paddington movies Paul King and it's yeah. also written by Simon Farnaby and Paul King and so Simon Farnaby is arguable that he plays the same character in the Paddington movies yeah. as he does in this film. Yeah, the, with like, his mug running. Yeah, that, that, that just keeps having, just keeps and, like having, yeah. having these sort of like security guard jobs. Uh, when he has, he has a chocolate called the Big Night Out Chocolate and his performance in it is, uh, just, it cracked me up. But yeah, Wonka, Wonka, very good. So how many stars would you give Wonka? And uh, Hugh Grant is like in, oh. in Paddington too. Oh. Just complete... The steam sealer, isn't he? He's it, just irresistible. He really, really, he really, really <laughs> does. I mean, uh, he is brilliant. Hugh Grant is an Oompa Loompa. Who knew that's what he was born to play? <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, he was just irresistible. <laughs> so I thought, it was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great little film. I'd definitely give it a four. Yeah. And um, yeah, I would probably put up this one, the, the more the better films I saw last year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, especially because of from from my point of view, the absolute lack of expectation on and yeah. and the way you're like, oh my word, this is this is really really good. This is actually good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually... And then you're not expecting it thinking this is actually good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why are we surprised? I think we see so much stuff that's hyped has been amazing, and then it's a bit mediocre. But something that's I didn't really see a lot of hype about it beforehand, other than Hugh Grant. And then you suddenly go, well, actually, this is really good. And all my friends, yeah, they all liked it as well. So we all had a really good, yeah, a really good evening watching it. Oh, and and Holly, I see what you're doing. You are trying. You're We've very. Got, you're trying. Got, you're darn just to make either Max or Callie an internet star. Max. Max. It's, it's Ma- Max. Sure. How do you know? Like, how can you tell the cats apart? Because they don't look the same. Fringe. They're not the same. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've I've paid enough attention to the cat. So so Holly on the Zoom call has a Hallie cat. And white. Hallie's black and white. And Doesn't he look a little bit like Hitler. <laughs> yeah, Max is a bit more Hitler like. Yeah, like a little tiny. Oh dear, hashtag Hitler cat. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, because yeah. She, so Holly keeps changing her her camera angle so that the cat takes up the entire thing. You know that when I put those um, reviews on YouTube, no one's going to be listening to a word either of us is saying because they're just going to be like, oh look at the cat, oh look, it's like puss in boots. Look at the big eyes, the big eyes. All right, all right, cool. So now- Muffin made a guest appearance a couple of weeks back, so we could have little guest appearance because yes. i know we had a couple of videos on youtube where i was just watching the, the i tend to sort of try to catch up on some of our videos we put on there and i noticed the ones where muffin every now and then he would look up and he'd look around got <laughs> 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 to participate yep this one yeah. is desperate to join in he likes hearing you guys talk oh all right okay cool so so uh, so um, to participate so ask max what did you think about the mayfair witches what did he think? He did not think much. The only thing they really, really enjoyed, they loved the um, live-action Lion King. They oh. both sat on the TV oh. watching it intently for the entire film. And then a few weeks later, I put it on for them again because I thought, well, they clearly liked it. They watched it. No, they're having none of it. They'd seen it. <laughs> I don't want to watch that again. again. They'd be like, oh, they okay, I get it. I get it. Those cats. I've got those... pictures of them just going. <gasps> those big cats think they're so better than we are. dragged away. All right, cool. And yes, now... they one view cats. Oh, and they really liked um, the first time they watched Deep Blue Sea. They really liked it, Ooh. but only interested in one viewing. <laughs> oh, I saw an Not interesting post about Deep Blue Sea earlier today, uh, but, but never mind. It was, uh, well, it was something about um, LL Cool J being the first black man to ever survive a horror movie. But, uh, <laughs> but... yes. But um, okay, let's go. Uh, spoilers for the almost probably thirty-year-old Deep Blue Sea. But never mind. Now we're going to Merry Little Batman. This is the it's and this is a Christmas offering from Prime Video, and it's an animated thing about Batman. So the quickly, essentially, there is a character called Damian Wayne, which. If you're not really into the comics, you might not actually know about this because the idea is that in later comics of Batman, Batman actually has a son called Damian, 
Um, and this is all about Damian Wayne and him. He's like hanging out at Christmas with Batman and Alfred. And he's like, oh, I really want to be just like you, dad. I want to be Batman. I want to do this kind of stuff. And they have like little wrinkles in this. Like Batman, when he found out he was going to be a dad, he put in overtime and he cleared all of the crime out of Gotham when he realized he was going to be a dad. So he went into over overly protective mode. There's no more crime in Gotham. So Batman is retired so he can spend time with his son. But his son really, really wants to be a Batman. I really wants to sort of like take him from his dad when he grows old. So then they do a kind of like almost like a home alone thing where for reasons Bruce Wayne gets detained somewhere else and then people try and invade Wayne Manor and then he has to sort of like protect Wayne Manor and then some of the the old Batman villains are trying to come back and try and it's it's pretty much instant inessential it's a good Christmas thing I think that the guy who actually plays Damon uh, Damon Damien Damien <laughs> I was about to say Damon Waynes, and I was like, no, no, I was like, Damon Waynes is somebody else. I was like, no, he, did he? no, it's Damian Wayne. The guy who plays Damian Wayne is actually really, really good voice. They have Luke Wilson, so as in brother of Owen Wilson, voicing Batman and Bruce Wayne, which is quite, which, which I thought was quite funny. They have James, uh, not James Cracknell. Why am I getting all my people mixed up today? The guy who played the farmer in Babe. Um, Cromwell. That's it, Cromwell. James, they have James Cromwell playing Alfred and like playing a really, really old Alfred because if you think if Batman is retired, Alfred is really, pretty old. And it's just kind of like a little caper. It's pretty much Batman does Home Alone. Batman does Home Alone with a little bit of Baby's Day House. So there's this, this sort of like late 80s John Hughes energy about it. It's quite nice. It's cool. It's something to watch at Christmas. It's not essential. I'll give it a three out of five. But I would say Merry Little Batman. It's, um, well, worth... If you have little kids, worth your time. Right. And I think that that is it for us in the first... We kind of went all over the place today. We went all over the place. <laughs> we danced about a bit. <laughs> we, we went all over the place today. Went over. Uh, I think the edit, uh, when I get back to editing this, is going to be interesting to see what, what actually... I mean, pretty much everything stays in when I when I edit it. But it's going to be... Especially when I'm trying to cut things up to put up on YouTube. I'm going to be like, all right, where do I start that and where do I end that? <laughs> where do we do that? But quick, quick, who do you think has won this week? Netflix or cinema? Cinema, I think that... I think Mayfair Witches did for Netflix. Ah, you would be correct. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Mayfair Witches, Mayfair Witches did do it for Netflix. So, um, yeah, so pretty good, pretty good. So, like Christmas viewing, and until next week, when hopefully, hopefully, we might we can talk ghosts Christmas special and Boudica. And oh, oh yeah, and Boudica. You, whenever I hear Boudica, I immediately think of the Alex Kingston version that was done on. I think it must have been yes. ITV in the noughties. I want to say yes, early north. Yeah, early north. I think. I would, I yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah, Alex Kingston. It was. It was she because she came out in more Flanders. Everybody knew her for more Flanders. Then she went to America and did ER. Then she came back and did Boudicca. Yeah. Before she did her Doctor Who. Yeah. The, the, those those for me are the big things in her career. Because, where is she nowadays? But and, anyway, uh, um, mm. uh, well, until that time, until next I week. Think, see, I think I've seen her. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna end up on another sort of like Google rabbit warren, a bit like Hex, and looking at pictures of Michael Fassbender uh, <laughs> as Azaziel. But uh, but um, but until next week, when I will come back with my with the with the uh, results of my Google search, it is a goodbye from me. A goodbye for me, and a goodbye for me. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Bye. Bye.